Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that puts things you can watch at home versus things you can watch at the cinema, puts the new world order versus the old world empire, I guess you could say. My name is Tosin and I am going to be your host over the next hour as we go ahead and talk about things that we have watched at the cinema and, talk, and compare them to what we've watched at, the, watched at home this week. In what should be a quick fire episode, joining me on the Isle of Wight are Sean... <laughs> Hello there. And Sharon. Hello. <laughs> right, no, I say quick fire episode because Marvel have done it again. Marvel have come out and they have become so big in Hollywood that people are giving them the Star Wars treatment, which is we're releasing a film and everybody goes, thank you very much. We'll see you next week. And doesn't bother yeah. releasing anything <laughs> in the same week. <laughs> That's exactly right, Toes. I also <laughs> noticed, I, if, if, I've just noticed in this one, was I saw, you know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is due out yeah. in May. Yep, yep, yep. I saw the banner. The banners are up there, and it said May the 16th. Well, yep. I see now the release date has been put back to the 31st, oh. because the 16th was like the day before my birthday, and I was hoping to arrange <laughs> something to go over to see it in IMAX. Yeah. Yep. But now they've arranged it. But someone said, oh, that's because you got Avengers Endgame round about that time. Yeah. Yes. So, so that's why they put it back, isn't it? So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think everybody is just wise to avoid anything near the release date of Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because that's just yeah. That that is just that'll be shown on every screen, won't it? It'll, it'll, it'll yeah. ask any world you can bet. That it'll just yeah, be so on every on screen every hour. Yeah. That that that, that every is half hour probably. That is going to destroy everything in its path. <laughs> quite frankly, it is. Yes, so it's just a behemoth yeah, yeah. i mean they have you seen the, the latest trailer for it they released a trailer for it today i haven't no so they released, I haven't no. there is the latest trailer for it today and i essentially i was i was squeeing at the screen i was like oh my god oh my god oh, this is so good ah! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so uh yeah yeah uh it's actually okay you know you know obviously stan lee died recently yeah, um, but he'd filmed a couple of different cameos for upcoming Marvel cameos, films. Cameos, yeah, yeah, and for the the, right. the and we're going to talk about Captain Marvel in a second. And I think the Stan Lee cameo in Captain Marvel is one of the best and cleverest that has happened so far. I mean, when it happened, I was like, oh, oh, that's good. That is good, and. It involves Kevin Smith, and Kevin Smith wrote a tribute about it, and he has a sentence in this tribute where he talks about he, he, it's embarrassing how much these Marvel films mean to him. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, to I totally understand. It, it is actually quite embarrassing when you actually start talking about, oh my God, this is going to happen. Oh my God, we've got Iron Man. Ah! It, it, is, it is actually quite embarrassing, but that, that's just the way it is. <laughs> It is. Mm. You're allowed. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. It's it's kind of, it's. I remember, I remember a friend of mine. A friend of mine. He was he was talking about the fact that he was like, "Do you remember when we were kids and we were the small little weirdos that everybody used to laugh and make fun of because we were uncool? And now the biggest TV shows and biggest films are all about the things that we thought were cool, but nobody else thought were cool when we were kids." Mm -hmm. He's like, "Look." <laughs> He's like, the most acclaimed TV show on TV at the moment has got walking zombies and flying dragons in it. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, what a time to be alive. And it's, it's kind of true. It's, it's almost as if, like, you know, what? the people who were when we were kids grew up and took over Hollywood. So, 
So because so this week we said it's going to be a bit of a quick fire week because obviously we have Marvel. Everybody's running scared from Captain Marvel, and um, we we haven't really seen that much. So Sean and I, we've both seen Captain Marvel. We have. Yes, and I haven't yet. Yeah, yeah. And even though this show is called Netflix versus Cinema, we do sometimes branch out to other home viewing platforms to see what they have to offer. And Sharon, you, you braved and left the comfort of Netflix and went to see something else this week. Yes, I saw something on Amazon. Amazon. It wasn't Amazon Prime, but oh. I did. It was through Amazon that I watched this film. Ah, yes. I see, I see. Okay, cool. Good stuff. And that was Juliet Naked. Juliet Naked, yes. Yeah. Which I'm, <laughs> Which I believe. All right, cool. So let's let's kick off and let's kick off and let's see what it is that um, cinema has to offer. Pretty much the only new thing cinema has to offer this week, which is Captain Marvel. Now, Sean, <laughs> Sean, you, are you able to just so far away tell us a little bit about Captain Marvel? Ah, uh, about Captain Marvel. Okay, basically, this um, it's a story of a, a, a Kree warrior that that. They, they've been having this battle with a what now warrior oh well Cree, but actually so i think Cree. Uh, okay so we got crees we got scrolls right, scrolls are mm. whatever I'm, i can't really give any spoilers here but basically it's like these two races that, they're aliens that, they're, then, they're alien not races, from yeah, earth yeah that are not from earth and they're they're sort of having this this battle if you like because they don't like each other and um it ends up going sort of ending up on earth and mm-hmm. you've got this this lady who's a Cree who suddenly is trying to discover what's you know she's got these these powers and she wants to find out she doesn't really know she's suffering a little bit from amnesia but gradually through the film it becomes more and more um, evident what goes on so and yeah she ends up obviously having these these super super duper powers which which you know so she's a like major superhero so I've yeah. seen the trailer so I know she ends up with a younger Nick Fury. Played yeah, by Samuel L. Jackson, right. and yeah. I know I'm aware. Of, I'm familiar with him from like the Captain America films, films. where you. That's is that where we first meet him in Captain America. Anyway, he's in the Marvel universe, isn't he? Yes. So when when is this set then? Because he's a 90s. young. He's still got his eye, hasn't yeah. he? It's the nineties, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. so this is the nineties. It is the. I think this is unfortunately one of these films. I feel especially when Marvel do a film now, the film doesn't exist in a bubble anymore. Because it's it's connected to this big wider thing, and there's a wider narrative outside of the films that's going on. So this is the twenty first film, I believe it is. It's the twenty first film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and but the big thing about this is that everyone has been talking about is the first one that has a female lead character, or has like it's a solo female outing. So in all the all the films that they've made, in all the other twenty films they've made, never have we had a woman who is the sole focus of this whole thing. And so there's this whole big thing. And to be honest with you, Sean, before watching this film, I was not really expecting uh, much. But it's going to be interesting. This is going to be a really, really interesting podcast because yeah. <laughs> because I got some things I want to say about this movie. Yeah. So, yeah before, so before watching this film, I was really not expecting much because I felt like the weight of expectation on this film was just, it was just because people were Huge. Like, yeah, it was huge because it's the first... It was huge for me. It was huge for me as well. Yeah, because I'm not sure, I, I never read the Captain Marvel novels. I mean, um, comic I didn't, books. I didn't myself, actually. Yeah. I never I never read so, the Captain Marvel ones. So unlike so. something like Iron Man or Captain America, I was not really that familiar with it. But, but I was going into this and I was just thinking, uh, this is... Because 
obviously there's the whole thing about oh it's the first female solo outing in the marvel cinematic universe why is it taking them so long they better represent it properly i was not really looking forward to this film because i was just kind of like uh i think whatever's going to happen it's going to it's going to come down a bit it's going to be down a bit but as sean said yeah it the film kicks off with this sort of intergalactic war that's already started between these two races and throughout, it, it, then it, it comes down to, to answer Sharon's question, it comes down to the Earth in 1995. Okay. So, so it's sort of like a throwback for the, for the MCU. So it's, the entire film is set in 1995. So it starts off when she actually crashes onto Earth, she crashes through the roof of a blockbuster video, which, which is one of those little details that I just absolutely loved. Absolutely loved it. The fact that she crashes into a blockbuster video because you're like, oh my God, I remember those. They don't exist anymore. <laughs> Killed by Netflix, weirdly enough. And, and so you meet a young Nelk McFury, you need, a, you need a younger shield, and you have the scrolls who are shapeshifters, and you have the Kree, who are just this, they see themselves as this warrior race. And they're just, they see the job as like, no, these, these scrolls are insurgents and we need to wipe out these scrolls. So, but as Sean says, she doesn't have any memory. She doesn't remember who she is, but there's hints that she's actually human and she's not an alien. Human, yep. That, that, oh, okay. Yeah, things keep popping up that make it seem like she might be human, but she's like, she has images in her head of people and she's like, who are they? I don't know who they are. I don't remember who I am. And throughout the film, there's this whole... The sort of subtext is her discovering herself and her figuring out who she really is, and um, yeah. So and so that... shades of shades of Star Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy, perhaps. Um, no, not quite. Not quite. I mean, not quite. Okay. Yeah, because Star Lord always knew where he came from. He just didn't know who his dad was. Star Lord pretty much. Knew, okay. He pretty much knew everything. That he was human. Yeah, but with with her, okay. she she. Honestly, doesn't have a clue who she is. Like even the Cree don't seem to be too clear about what to do with her. Uh, they, <laughs> they know that she has this power that none of them have, and they treat her so like all special and all that. But they, but she knows she's different. But she's trying to figure out. She spends the whole film trying to figure out why she's different, why this, what, what's going on, what actually, what actually happened to her in the past, all that sort of stuff. And so you have this superhero movie, but. Within it is this whole journey of self-discovery narrative where she's trying to figure out who she is, what she stands for, what, she, what does she believe, and all that kind of stuff. So a, a very many moments, this actually feels like a small indie movie, and every now and then something special effectsy happens or something actually happens. But for the large part of the running time, it feels like a small indie movie. And I, I'm, quite frankly, I was glad I went in with no expectations because I actually ended up quite enjoying it. But it is... And this is what I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I the, knew that was coming. The, the is, yeah, no, I, I quite, you can you can guess my reaction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I quite enjoyed it. But the thing is, one of the things I like is about Marvel is that they have they have got to the stage where they started pretty much doing whatever the hell they want. And so it's a it's a big blockbuster movie. It's in some ways it's an origin story. But they essentially decided, no, we're not going to do your typical origin story. We're going to mess around with it a bit. So there's bits of this where the film goes massively trippy. There's bits of it where you're going, what is going on? There's bits where the whole thing slows down. There's twists and all that. But in the end, I, I quite liked what they were doing. Um, the, I, I don't, there's some things I think that, that Sean might talk about, which I don't think quite work. But I'm going to stop and I'm going to let you talk, Sean. You're going to let me have my tirade now, yeah. Yeah, go this ahead. This film, for me, 
This film for me is one step above Superman, Batman, Dawn of Justice. Worst Marvel film I have seen. The worst, horriblest Marvel film I have seen. I'm sorry. It was horrible. I had so many, you know, it's so inconsistent. There's so many inconsistencies. There's, there's bits again, and there's a bit in it, which is exactly like in, in, in Batman, Superman, where you've got people stood around in a circle watching someone doing something and they just watch it. And then you've got things that, that you've got these super strong, she's supposed to be a super strong woman and yet she can get held back by humans. You know, it's just like, what is going on here? You know, it's like, get yourself sorted out. I hated it. Absolutely oh, hated it. No. Loathed it with a passion. Boring. I, a Jude Law was awful at the end. The most awful piece of overham acting. Annette Benning. Totally, totally disappointed with her. Useless, absolutely useless, the pair of them. But Jude Law was like, you know, and it's like, oh man, total, total, total letdown. Total, total oh, no. Hated it with a passion. <laughs> I shan't bother to see it again. So, Getting a few vibes to, from you, Sean. To me, this like is it. the worst Marvel film. Worst Marvel film <laughs> by far. Really? Even there's so many DC films that are loads better than this, but ooh, ooh, I, 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 Daughter Justice. So I this do. is this I, is where I think Marvel is going to start to choke. There had to come a time for me. There had to come a time. They've been so consistently good, so absolutely brilliantly. All the films I've loved. All the films. This was a major letdown. Okay. Oh. Now, now I, I now I <laughs> right. I'm done. Sorry. Okay. Cool. Well, first of all, I I think some of the things that you say maybe, but going to, going to say that. Where's the Batman for the Superman? That is harsh. <laughs> that is that is, I'm, I'm, that I'm, is well, harsh. yeah. I was because I was very very disappointed. Well, the let thing, down. The thing about it is that I I think that this film is definitely not your. It's definitely your typical thing. I mean, when you talk about it being slow, I think um, uh, I can understand what you're saying with that, and I think it's as I said, it feels like an indie movie that happens to it, have. Yeah, but, it, it feels like an indie movie that happens to have a superhero in it. Tozen, surely you've got agreement with me with the Jude Law role. No, no, I no, mean, no, no, the, the Jude Law, I think the bit you're talking about at the, the end, uh, I think, I think the, bit that, the bit that you're talking yeah. about at the end, I think it was setting up, it was obviously to set up a gag, and I thought the gag was really, really obvious what was going well, to happen. Well, I didn't, I didn't get a gag. Well, <laughs> it is, it, it was... I did like, I did like the, I did like the end credits, so. <laughs> was there the and usual I did end like, credit scenes? And, and I did, yes, and I did like Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah, okay. there's a couple, Mendelsohn, of, couple of quips there that Ben Mendelsohn, but then he's, he's good. good in most things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but um, and oh, I, and I did like like the, the I, I guess you know the animal in it was quite cute. Or the cat. Well, there's a cat the in this film. Yeah, little, little cat. Yeah, there's a cat. There's, there's a cat <laughs> yeah. in this film so called, what, I forget, called Goose. I, I forget what he calls. Yeah, what does he? I forget what they. There's a name that that. It's a flirting. Flurkin, that's Whatever, it, a yeah. flurkin, yeah. So, so it's so, not a cat, it's a flurkin. That's what they must call them on another planet. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so whenever, uh, so you have been, you have this cat, and this cat has become like a big breakout star from the film, and the cat's the cat's called Goose. That and Goose. this cat, this cat keeps showing up and has a bit. It, it has a it has a say <laughs> in what happens. It's like this cat becomes kind of central to actually what happens in the film. But it's so Goose is this cat, and you have Ben Mendelsohn who plays a scroll, and he's he's the nominal bad guy in the film, uh, and for once actually uses his own accent. So he's this the bad guy in this film has an Australian accent, he's an alien with an Australian accent. So <laughs> which is, is yeah, very very sim very similar to Court with the New Zealand accent. Oh in, right, in yeah, Thor Ragnarok. in Thor Ragnarok, very similar. 
And yeah, I, I think what they do with the film is actually quite good. I think with Ben Mendelsohn's character, it is it was totally unexpected because I remember the scrolls from reading the comic books and I hated the scrolls. I absolutely hated them. They were my, they, I, I mean, I mean, talk about bad guys. I just did not like them because what I, no, I, didn't, I think they originally, they, they were a Fantastic Four enemy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they yeah. turned up, they were like in, in Fantastic Four number three or yeah. something like that really early fantastic four episodes of course marvel haven't got fantastic four have they no no they're so, no, not to make so films they, about not yet no, anyway not to make films not yet <laughs> well and, but I've, I've got a feeling i've got a feeling toes and sorry to butt in there that this is going to be the i mean it, it's not a good film to bring out before before Endgame, Avengers Endgame, but then that might be to make people... You normally find that they do release a smaller Marvel film, or they think it's a smaller Marvel film before they come out with the big Mm. guns. So you do tend to find they do do this piggyback thing, don't they? That's it. Yeah, because if if you look at the last ones, they've kind of got... They went Black Panther. So I think... I think before they do something that they know is going to be a surefire, massive, world-conquering hit, they do something a bit risky. So they did Black Panther, which was the first time they actually had like, you know, a black superhero leading it. And not just a black superhero, but an African one who was actually leading, leading a film, which was which people might have seen as a bit of a risk, but well, it became a massive hit. Then they did Infinity War. Then after that, they followed that up with a smaller film, which was Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I think they know Endgame, as we said, everybody knows whether Endgame is good or bad. It's going to just destroy everything in its wake. It is, yeah. <laughs> so, so, Definitely. so I think before that they're like, okay, cool, let's take another risk, and they've taken a risk with this. And I think that there's some of the things that um, I think Sean worries about. Where it's this is a film that I think is so aware of its social responsibility, if you will, in inverted commas. So, I, it, I, it's, I, I, I think, don't see why though. I don't see why you can still. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I'm not a misogynist in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. Far from it. You know, I'm totally different. But the film's just bad. The film's just bad. <laughs> and, and and to use that as an excuse for a poor film is not fair. I don't think that's. I no. think that's oh, totally totally unfair it, to say. Know, oh, you're yeah. a misogynist because it's a it's a female film. You know. I mean, I loved Wonder Woman. I thought Wonder Woman was excellent. You know, Wonder Woman was fantastic. Yeah, but, but I've a, got a lot of issues with this one. Okay, okay, Sean, calm down. Calm down. Let me talk. Okay, I'll calm down. Okay, <laughs> go for it. No, but the thing is, I don't think it's a bad film. I do not think it's a bad film. I think it is a different film. I think because when you talk about what you expect in a superhero movie and everything like that, it's a lot more contemplative than what you expect in most superhero movies. There's huge swathes of this film where there is no action, where there's a lot more sitting down and looking through albums than there is any action, or a lot more sitting down and talking about, oh, the nature of war or something, or contemplating on that than there is any action. But when you talk about different things, like, okay, um, you, let me go, Annette Benning, I liked her. Ben Mendelsohn liked her. <sighs> Brie, Brie uh, liked him, sorry. Brie, Brie Larson, I liked her, although I felt that she had a very, very, there was, she had a, she had a very peculiar superhero walk. I don't know why, but the, I just, whenever she, they had like a close of her walking, I was like, why is she walking like that? But, but uh, I, I think she, I think it's, it's a difficult character to nail. And I think there's some times where the tone is kind of like, I'm not entirely sure what kind of tone that they're going for. But in the end, I quite liked it. And I think that it's, the film ends up being not so much about the superhero and about all that kind of stuff as it ends up, as it does being about women and about, yeah. a, a, about the way women are, women are, I, I can understand about, that. Yeah. I didn't have a pro- 
I didn't have a problem with Brie Larson. I did have a problem with, with Annette Benning because I mm. thought she was just there for jobs he getting the paycheck, you know. She was like, <laughs> I mean, at least Robert Redford, when he was in the, the Iron Man film, was, was, had something about him, but she had nothing. I think she was, you know, I, she just looked, you know, that, oh, to, to no, be fair, I, I to can't be even fair. think. I can picture, I can picture a face at the airfield and thinking, oh my God, woman, what are you doing? That is awful. You were just getting your paycheck. And as, as I say, as for, I mean, I mean, I quite like Nick Fury as well. You know, I mean, Nick Fury yeah. was good in it, and uh, I did uh, like, I did like Captain Marvel, but, but, uh, uh, you know, it's just the inconsistencies and and some of the the people that were around her. But, but well, that was awful. Well, the thing is, the the the. I mean, Captain... can you could just 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 ask me just answer me this, Tozin? Do you yes. not think that that sort of final scene uh, just was like you know what well. You, you enjoyed it. You thought it was all right. You, you didn't what, mind the Jude Law character. What, what, which what, the final scene with Jude well, Law? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. So did you no, like I, that? I thought that that was a very obvious setup for a joke. I mean, I, I think I saw that. What, coming. what joke? I don't. Well, I I didn't get it, Toes, and it, I didn't get the joke. Uh, think. <laughs> anyway, you tell me about uh, it off. You yeah, tell I'll, me about I'll it. Tell, I'll, tell time. About, I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you about okay. it off air. But it's, it's a joke that has been used in cinema beforehand it's been used it's been used over and over again in cinema and i thought it was a very very obvious setup for a joke so i felt like that bit the film went very it 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 does go hammy because it's set up for a joke and i didn't particularly like that bit but it's but i i yeah i do feel but this is one of the things i think because they made a big deal before the film was released and talked about captain marvel and how she was going to be the most powerful superhero that they've had yet in the mcu yeah and i'm looking at it i'm thinking i think they're gonna have to power her down for Avengers Endgame, because because yeah, because there's a bit like essentially she you have a you have a problem. It's the same way with Vision. When Vision was first introduced into the MCU, he was he could do like anything, and in each subsequent film that he's shown up in, they've been like, oh yeah, we have a bit of a problem here because if anything shows up, we just go, well, just send Vision. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, you see, like, you see, just, just send Vision. Actually, I mean, actually. <laughs> Actually, to go back to that, and so 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 they they powered him down, and I think that they're gonna because um, towards the end of the film, when she figures out her full power and everything like that, I'm looking and going, well, if she can do that, then she's they're just gonna say, oh, Thanos, here we are, just send Captain Marvel, he'll deal with, she'll deal with him, but they're gonna have to power her down a bit because I, I, I towards the end, I was thinking, yeah, that is. It's great that she's that powerful, but it kind of gives you a problem. It's a Superman problem where why do you bother with anybody else when you have him? And I think there's a little bit of a problem with why do you bother with anybody else when you have Captain Marvel just hanging around? But it's. Does. Excuse me for sort of just asking a, maybe an obvious question. Does it explain why she's not around in later films? Yes, Because we've got all the Avengers. Yes, I know she's not yes, an Avenger. Yeah, yeah. So does it explain why yes, she doesn't yeah, does. suddenly yeah. pop up yeah. and give, you know, Thanos yeah. a thrashing? That's right. Yeah. yeah. It does. does. Shows, yeah. Oh, okay. So that would be interesting just to get that obviously at the joining end, the dots. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, you do. You do figure that one. Yeah, it does. Uh, it does explain why that's the greatest. Yeah, yeah. It does explain that. So, yeah. So, 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 Sharon, I think I think you should go see it. I think you should go see it. I'm intending to go and see it. Yeah, my brother and my nephew went to see it last night, and they both enjoyed it. Did they? I yeah. only had a very brief. My brother just said, "Yeah, I enjoyed it," and so did Nipper. So, right. yeah, um, that was their verdict, the sum total of their verdict. But yeah, yeah, they. So I think there is appeal out there for it. I think it's oh no, maybe it's, it's for already, the less. Dis- it's already a massive hit. 
The, the, the film's already a massive hit. But so, yeah, so what, I hope to I see that next week. Or anything. Yeah. What, no, what I don't tend to now. What, what, are, what are main reviews like? Have you read any reviews? I've, I've seen two reviews. Uh, one gave it four, one gave it three. Right, so, okay. okay. Yeah, and it's so, uh, yeah, one gave it four, one gave it three. And I think it's, it's, a, I think it's a film with a lot on its mind. It's a film with a lot on its mind, and it's a film that serves like says, look, we, it's, you know, sometimes you have a superhero movie. It's a bit like Black Panther, where, Black Panther says, we have a superhero movie, but we have something else that we're going to try and do within the superhero movie. And they do, and it's, it's, it's done in a totally different way, but it, it's a film that has a law on its mind. And personally, I, I liked it, but I'll give it a three because there, there are, I mean, Sean talks about inconsistencies. There is, I mean, what kicks off the whole film that I still have a big question about it. I'm like, wait a second, why would you do that if you knew that? If, yeah. If you knew, th- why why would you, wh- why send her there if you knew? Th- th- and I still I still haven't figured out what on earth was going on or why that happened. And it seems that it only happens because you need something to start the film, and and oh, which so yeah, uh, I'm still waiting to see if if maybe that can be made clear to me. But at the moment, I'm just kind of like uh, at the beginning, there's a bit of a inconsistency that doesn't quite work, and yeah. It, yeah, it, but I do like, I, and I, I think the, the the technology that they use for de aging people is the best it's ever been because Samuel L. Jackson as a young Nick Fury, it's yeah, yeah. I, you I was, you I, don't notice it through the. Yeah. You do not notice it at all. I, it I, just, I, just I seems like normal. Yeah, I wasn't watching it going, oh yeah, they've made Samuel L. Jackson look younger. I was just kind of like, yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, yeah, well, no big deal about it. And then after the film, when I saw what, like you know, actually see a picture of what he looks like today, and like, oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> what they've done with him is amazing, but yeah, I'd give it a three out of five. Sean, go ahead. Well, I'll probably, I probably, I mean, I, I know I had issues with it and everything like that, but I, I mean, I give it a two star for the Firkin and Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> so it's a one star film, but an extra star because of Ben Mendelsohn and Goose the Cat. Goose, yeah, Goose the Cat, yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the one. That's that's the one. Yeah. So you know, but as I say, it is all subjective, isn't it? I mean, I mean, for me, I I, I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. I just you know, I, I I didn't even enjoy it. I mean, sometimes I can sit through a film and it may be bad, but at least you know I I watch it. But that just I was like I, I get I get my annoying bit where I sort of turn around in my when I'm in my chair, I just have to turn from side to side sort of thing because I'm thinking, oh, come on, come on. It's like car chases and things, you know, in film. It's just like, oh, no. So, so yeah. Well, maybe so, that's, yeah. Maybe that's the so, there is a car chase early on in this film. But maybe, maybe Yes, exactly. Yeah, that was. I forgot I was going to mention that as well. That one even slipped from my mind. An awful car chase as well. <laughs> stupid, stupid, ridiculous car chase. Why do they do it, eh? But there you go. I quite I like suppose, it. Suppose, yeah, I suppose young people like it. I mean, I, well, you know me, I hate the Fast and Furious films too. You know, I mean, I don't let people love I them. They make a fortune. happily go away, get a drink, come back with a biscuit and when the car chase is on because I don't personally feel that they add anything to any no, film. No, no, no. So, um, they well, go on way, the, way too long. Yeah. This, this the only really good a... driving film was Baby Driver. <laughs> This isn't really a, it isn't really a car chase. It's a it's a it's one of okay. those it's one of those ones like think a bit like the French Connection where you have a car going and then you have a train going above it and the car's trying to catch up with the train that kind of thing. 
and mm. it yeah and it's it's pretty much the first thing <laughs> she does when she gets... as good as that though <laughs> okay let's move on let's move on because let's move I, on yeah I, let's move on i think this the same way avengers end game is going to destroy everything in this path i think sean's vitriol is going to destroy anything in this path tonight <laughs> <laughs> it's tonight yeah so so yeah. so up against captain well, captain marvel we have the film that sharon you saw on amazon which was juliet naked so tell us about juliet naked yes Juliet Naked is based on a Nick Hornby novel. Yep. And um, it catches, it actually, it, it suits following a Marvel film quite well because the, one of the main characters in Juliet Naked is a man who is an obsessive. Oh, yeah. he, and you get obsessives about Marvel films and comic yeah, books in particular. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, the comic persons, they like, they, they're after every edition and every, every, if there's one character they like, then they, they just pursue it endlessly. They became completists. Yeah. And this is a story about one man called Duncan, who basically in the 1990s, he became a huge fan of a, an indie artist called Tucker Crow. Yep. And now Tucker Crow, um, released several albums and was, uh, had a, a, a following, mainly men. And there he released this album called Juliet. Um, that was a basically a, the, an angry breakup album and it became like his seminal work. Yeah. And then whilst touring this album, one day when he was in a bar in Minneapolis, he didn't finish the set. He went to the toilet and then he just left. He walked out and he has never been heard of again. And then fast forward to 2018 when this film was made and Duncan is in a relationship with a lady called Annie. And he has been sent the original demo tapes for the album called Juliet. And it's been titled Juliet Naked because it's stripped bare. It's the original demos of all oh, these yeah, songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, he listens to it and he thinks it's like a work of genius. It's like, you know, the best thing that's ever happened in his life. And Annie listens to it and thinks it's mediocre and it's just tosh. Because, you know, it's like an early version of like the the completed work was is was good. But that the, the demos were just like... Yeah, they're demos. They're, they're they're an incomplete version of what later became good. Yeah. And so Duncan runs this fan site for all things Tucker Crow, and he posted this, you know, this eulogising review of this demo. And then Annie goes on and thinks, "Well, I'm going to write my own review." And she goes, "This was like a, a mediocre, tepid nonsense, basically." But a bit like me and Toes in yeah. Captain Marvel. <laughs> and exactly like that. And then she gets an email one day saying, "You know what? You know what? I really agree with you. Thanks so much for your honest review." Tucker Crow. And she and so she ends up in this like email exchange with them saying, like, is it really you? He goes, Yes, it's really me. And then they form this friendship. And that's how the story progresses basically. She and Duncan have decided, you know, they've been together fifteen years, and the only thing that's been holding them together is like habit. And then when she uh, sort of meets Tucker Crow in flesh, she's realised, you know, that oh, wow. actually I don't why am I still with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Who I've just been with for fifteen years and he suddenly is interested in her because their relationship has just gone completely flat and stale. Yeah. But then as soon as Tucker Crow appears and he's interested in her, it's like, hang on a minute, if Tucker Crow's interested in you, then hey, there must be something about you that's attractive. <laughs> I, I guess. And so it's a, it's a dynamic about their relationship and about these, how people, it's about, it's, it's a film about relationships, basically. Yeah. And I guess it helps that Tucker Crow is played by Ethan Hawke. Ethan Hawke, yeah, and I think it just—he's just almost perfect. When I first saw that, I thought, "Oh, Ethan Hawke," but actually, I think he's perfect casting because he was like the face of the '90s, yeah. And then, effectively, he disappeared. 
And you see him in the odd film, but he's not the film star that he once was. I mean, he was like the, the Generation X. He was like the face of a generation. Yeah. And so when you see him now as like as a middle-aged man, you know, he's got a little bit more weight around the middle. He's definitely got grey hair. And he is a man of his time. And he was saying, you know, yeah, I used to be this famous rock yeah. star, but I'm not anymore. And when Duncan first meets him, he's like saying, "Who, who's that man? Obviously older than you. Obviously, you know, <laughs> a, a, you know, sort of like a rebound relationship." And he goes, "Hello, my name is yeah, I'm Tucker Crow." He goes, "Oh yeah, and I'm Stevie Wonder." <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes away and he goes, "How dare he pretend to be Tucker Crow just to annoy me?" And they said, "Well, does he look anything like him?" And then he finds one of his old fan posters and he goes. Well, actually, <laughs> age him 20 so, years, it could be him. <laughs> so was this a comedy? Or, it's a comedy. Uh, it's a comedy, it's a comedy. Yes, yeah. yeah, a, rom- a romantic comedy. No way. Yeah, so there are some... It's all, it, 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 it does deal with relationships, you know, how she's a woman who's in her 40s now who is desperate to have children and they never had children together. No. And Tucker Crow is a single man who's had five children in four different relationships and he's you know, been married several times yeah. and it's he's just never, ever found... The right one. The right one. Yeah. And so, you know, things happen. But I thought, yeah, it's a charming film. I enjoyed all of the cast members. The only thing that slightly put me off is every time you see Rose Byrne, who plays Anne, yeah. Annie, she's carrying a handbag or she's behind a chair or she's like draped in something. And I'm thinking, was she pregnant when she made this film? Because oh, you I never think, see all of her. I think she was. You only see I... her head and shoulders. And then, yes, I later found out in the... In that, the trivia bit, when I looked it up, she was pregnant during the making of this film. Uh, yeah. But to me, it got to the point where I was thinking, it's why is she always you. clutching yeah. her handbag in front of her? And I was like, why do you never see all of her? Or if you do, it's like from the back. And a few oh, times yeah. I was thinking, she's pregnant. Oh, there you go, well noticed. <laughs> but I just, it just, I found that yeah. slightly distracting. But that's just a very small thing. Yeah, but well, no, I did. I found it quite a charming film, and I enjoyed it very much. Okay. You know, I, I begin to think that maybe, maybe we've watched too many films when we start noticing things like that. Yes, I don't know if everyone noticed it because one of the the notes I said it says like, well, you know, they cunningly disguise the fact that she was pregnant <laughs> by making her hold these bags like, and standing that behind. Wasn't cunning, that was blatantly obvious. But, Yes, because there's one scene where she's stood there and the whole time she's just clutching her handbag. And I thought, did she think someone's going to mug her or something? Because she's clutching her handbag in front of her. And normally the first thing you do when you walk in is like you dump your bag and you dump your coat. And there's her clutching it desperately. I'm thinking, why are you doing that? You're hiding something. <laughs> okay. But no, there's, it's, yeah, I would say it's very sweary, as in a lot of modern comedies are. Mm. They seem to think that, yeah, it's just like, hey, we're... Modern people were going to yeah. swear a lot. Um, but I did think all three people played their roles very well. And yeah. it helped that I had read the book. Yeah. yeah. yeah because so because it, it, does, it does strike me that it's the kind of film that rises and falls on the chemistry of its characters. So Chris O'Dowd, Ethan Hawke and um, Rose Byrne. Yes. And I think Chris O'Dowd plays Duncan perfectly. You get the feeling that he would be someone who would know every single track on every album. That he would get, <laughs> every, he would get like amateur recordings of every concert. And that he would become a completist. So he would want to know every day that everything he'd played, every would. And in the book, it's funny, they have this holiday where they go on a Tucker Crow pilgrimage and they basically go and look, stare at his parents' house and they go and. Oh my God. And they just go and they do this proper fan thing. Fan base, yeah. Where they go and, and Danny's like, this is, it's the worst holiday she's ever had. <laughs> but Tucker's like, you know, I actually stood in the toilets where he had his you know, existential crisis. Oh and they just go and do the whole. 
And we, we all know people who are that obsessive about we do, we fandom do. Stuff. Who, who do really mad things. Yeah. And they do tend to be sort of middle-aged men, don't they? Middle-aged, yeah, they do. You're, you're right. I don't know what you're, you're talking right. about. Middle-aged men have funny times. Well, I'm, I'm past middle age, so I've done, I can, I'm, I'm all right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, Sharon. Had, that, 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 whole, <laughs> that whole thing about me going to the place where they filmed bits of Avengers Infinity War is totally untrue. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I think there's one like the Star Wars ones that were obsessive that go to Morocco or Algeria or wherever it is that yes. they, where they film Star Wars, you know. And, and they want to be photographed there. outside yeah. of certain things. I've got a friend yeah, who's very obsessive about all sorts of stuff and, he even became sort of pen pals with some of the actors who were in like Star yeah. Wars films. He was just obsessive about it. <laughs> and he knows everything about it. He actually tracked down like Michael. Do you remember um, Michael Sheard who was in Grange Hill, but he retired to the Isle of Wight. And right. my friend found out this. We actually tracked him down and actually became quite good pals with him. Yeah, yeah. But he basically tracked him down because he was in Star Wars and New Hope. Funny. <laughs> I'll t- I tell you what it is. It's a, I mean, I'm not that bad. And I think, I mean, for, for like, celebs or whatever be they sportsmen or whatever i'm, I'm not famous yeah. at all by them it's just you know it's they just are people really yes you know yeah so, so i think this is, it's an interesting take on the fact that how how he views his own fame and celebrity and lack of sort of work since the 1990s and how someone else views his talent as like he's like a genius and when someone's saying to you, you know you're absolutely genius but you don't recognise it because you know genius to you is like water to a plumber and it's and there's a very, that's quite a nice line actually, because at the very end you have a, a scene of like an album cover. And I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Tucker Crow at the end of the film releases a new album. Right. And when you see the back of cover of this album, and then one of the tracks is called Light Water for a Plumber. Right. Right. <laughs> and there's some, there's some really funny, if you pause and you read this album cover, it's some, some other titles are really funny and it does nod to all sorts of things you've seen in the film. Brilliant. Brilliant. But no, I enjoyed it, so I'll give it a four. Okay, cool. Juliet Naked, a four. All right, cool. So in our shorter version this week, it is no surprise to find out after Sean's giving it both barrels. (laughs) It is no no to find out that the winner is, well, I guess you say Netflix. Well, yeah, Netflix home. Staying at home. Staying at home was the winner. Staying at home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. This week. Uh, but but I think it will be interesting to see Sharon. You could go be a tiebreaker, go see Captain Marvel, and let us know what you yes. think. Yeah, but that would be really good. That'd I will really see good. it. I'm intending to see it both, this week. You've heard yeah. both both versions. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that would be good. And I will definitely try because there's not much else on. I will definitely try and see Fighting with My Family because it's still yes. on. Well, I'm hoping so. to see Fisherman's Friends. I hope that's out this week. Yeah, I think it is. I'm, I'm but I'm really so looking sure forward to that. that. I love a bit of folk music. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I love yeah, yeah, music. You'll, you'll yeah. be into that. So cool. I'm really looking forward I might to catch listening to that. We'll see, see, oh, we'll, see we'll sing along if I can. I probably know most of the songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so next week, I think we'll, we'll bring those in next week. And we also have some things that we're holding over from this week. So there was a Billy Graham documentary that you saw, Sharon. And, yes. uh, yeah. and I saw Robert Redford and Jane, at Fon- and Jane Fonda. Being Robert Redford and Jane Fonda in a film on Netflix, a Netflix film even called Our Souls at Night. But we'll keep that until next week. We'll keep that until next cool. week. In the meantime, all that's left to say is goodbye from me. Yep. 
And goodbye from me. And bye-bye from me. And I'm calmed down now, Tony, <laughs> so, so we're all right. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. When we finish, down. when we finish, we can have... Sharon's a... used the calm and influence on me. She's, I have, I've just yeah, yeah. sent those she's vibes. Said, yeah, sent those vibes. <laughs> okay, no, no, don't worry. I think once <laughs> okay. we stop, once we stop, uh, once we hit record and we stop recording, we can have like, you know, a little bit of a spoilerific chat about the things you didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't yeah. worry, I'll hype you all okay. up again. I'll hype you up again and then just sort of like, Cut the phone off and leave it. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.